Are you feeling under pressure today? Increasingly high anxiety levels indicate that many people are under pressure and they don't know how to cope. The right amount of pressure motivates some people, but too much pressure can weigh others down, producing emotional breakdowns, fear, and other mental health crises. Under pressure. Perhaps nobody faced more pressure throughout his life and ministry than did the Apostle Paul. From the beginning, Jesus said that Saul of Tarsus, the newly converted man who had been terrorizing Christians, would suffer much for his name's sake. Jesus was not exaggerating. How do you handle pressure? Like the Apostle Paul, when under pressure, take courage, embrace the grace of God, and trust the power of God to protect you. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Anxiety seems to be at an all-time high today. Pressures at work, pressures at home, the pressures of failure and of success. But few people have endured the kind of pressure the Apostle Paul had to face. Hi, I'm Brian Davis, and this is Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. As Paul neared the end of his ministry, he made his way to Jerusalem to preach the gospel. Shortly after Paul arrived, he was threatened by the Jews, beaten by the Romans, and finally, after declaring his Roman citizenship, he was allowed to appear before the Sanhedrin. That's where Ron takes us today as he continues his teaching series, Paul Surprised by Grace. Look for us online at somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Subscribe to the program on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now from Acts 23, here's Ron with today's Something Good radio message, Courage Under Pressure. Back in the early 1980s, there were two British uh, rockers who got together, Freddie Mercury of the band Queen and a guy named David Bowie. And they combined their creative gifts and they wrote a song titled Under Pressure. Some of you may remember that. Um, the, the song went to number one on the UK singles chart. Uh, this is also a time when music videos were starting to become popular and the uh, hit songs music video directed by David Mallett featured some stock footage of people who were, as you might guess, under pressure. And the images included traffic jams, uh, commuter trains packed with passengers, explosions, a failed rocket launch, uh, riots, building demolitions, crushed cars, and unemployment lines. Any of that sound familiar? Is that the kind of pressure maybe uh, you've been feeling recently? The lyrics begin, pressure pushing down on me, pressing down on you, under pressure that burns a building down, splits a family in two, puts people on streets. A little bit later it says, these are the days it never rains, but it pours. Kind of an ironic uh, twist of phrase there. Days that it never rains. Maybe that's pressure enough for the farmer, right? But it pours. We're feeling the pressure, 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 pressure coming upon us today. Are you feeling under pressure today? 
If you look at uh, the news today and you believe the uh, psychologists, increasingly high anxiety levels indicate that many people today are under pressure and they don't know how to cope. They don't know how to cope. Uh, the right amount of pressure motivates some people. I remember when I was a, a high school athlete playing high school football, my head football coach was a fiery guy. He's only about this tall, but boy, could he put the pressure on us when the time was right, especially at halftime if we were behind. And a little bit of pressure, you know, it worked for me. It motivated me and some of the other athletes, but too much pressure can weigh other people down and produce paralyzing fear, emotional breakdowns, and other mental health crises which we are seeing all across our society today. When life never rains but it pours, pressure comes, where do you run for shelter? Where do you run for shelter? There are all kinds of coping mechanisms that people uh, run to today. Pressure relief valves that we push that exacerbate the problem. They don't solve the problem. Well, perhaps nobody faced more pressure in his life and ministry than did the Apostle Paul. We've been studying his life and ministry in Acts chapter 23, or rather Acts chapter 13 through 28. We're in chapter 23 today, taking the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the Gentile world, let alone to his fellow Jews, was not easy. And uh, Paul did not go into it with rose-colored glasses. In fact, from the beginning, Jesus said of this Saul of Tarsus, remember back in Acts chapter 9, this newly converted guy who had been terrorizing Christians meets the resurrected Christ, and shortly after that, uh, Jesus says he would suffer much for his name's sake. That was no exaggeration. Um, and, and, and Paul and Saul, uh, same guy, but the, he, he, he came more and more into an understanding of just how much he would suffer and the pressure, the pressure that would come upon him. In his second letter to the Corinthians, Paul recalls all the physical persecutions, all the pressure that he endured saying, five times I received at the hands of the Jews, the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. He goes on to uh, mention other toils and snares, including shipwrecks and sleepless nights and dangers from robbers. He says he, he went often without food. Starvation was part of his experience. Anybody want to sign up for this? <laughs> Why would he give up everything that he gave up? All of the prestige, all of the honor, uh, a, a career that was uh, you know, scaling because he met the resurrected Christ and it changed his life and change the trajectory of his life. But Paul might have said, pressure pushing down on me at any given time in his first, second, or third missionary journey, or where we find him now in Jerusalem with a heart that is pointed toward Rome. Not, not a missionary journey, but his last trek from the holy city of Jerusalem uh, all the way to Rome. Now, the Holy Spirit had testified to Paul that troubles awaited him in Jerusalem. And others of his colleagues and friends had received the same briefing, we might say, from the Holy Spirit that troubles awaited Paul. Some of them didn't want Paul to go. They, they, they took that briefing and that uh, understanding from the Holy Spirit maybe a step too far and told Paul, no, you can't go to Jerusalem. But uh, despite all of that, uh, Paul was determined to go. He had never heard the Holy Spirit say, don't go, just be prepared. This is what's ahead of you. 
And he might have been on high alert as he approached uh, the holy city for all those reasons. Soon after his arrival, he felt the pressure rising when a disinformation campaign uh, that falsely accused Paul of bringing Gentiles into the Jewish temple led to riots in the street. Imagine the pressure coming upon you. You see the riots happening in the holy city of Jerusalem, and you know you're the, you're the source of this because of a disinformation campaign. And but for the quick actions of the Roman tribune, the Jews would have killed Paul right then and there. They were furious. They, they felt that he, he had defiled the temple. The truth of the matter is he never brought any Gentiles into the temple. They just supposed that he did because they saw him walking around with an Ephesian uh, named Trophimus, who was a Gentile. Uh, the tribune at that time dispatched soldiers to arrest Paul, and that was the best way to, to bring him safely into the barracks. Before, before entering into those quarters, Paul asked for permission to address his fellow Hebrews. Do you remember this in chapters 21 and 22? And when he began speaking to them in their native Hebrew language, they all, they all hushed. They were silenced because maybe he's not who we thought he was. Maybe he's one of us. And uh, Paul boldly shared his testimony, his story of when he met the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus. He proclaimed Jesus as Messiah. They were listening to him intently until he said, and God has called me to the Gentiles. Uh, that, that, that was it. Uh, when he mentioned his calling to the Gentiles, they coiled like vipers. Chapter 22 and verse 22 says this angry mob raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. Imagine the pressure of knowing that there's an angry mob who doesn't want you uh, to see the next day's sunrise. They want to kill you. And quickly the soldiers pulled Paul into the barracks and, and they, they, uh, they began uh, flogging him. Do you know what a Roman flogging is? Well, it's the 40 lashes minus one that Paul says happened to him five times. It's the, the whip with those uh, you know, cat of nine tails that just, just tears apart the human flesh. Jesus went through that. Paul says, five times this happened to me. But before they flogged him, <laughs> I love this. He, he says, you don't want to do this to a Roman citizen, do you? And everybody paused and they said, oh, wait, wait a minute, you're a Roman citizen? And he says, yeah, I'm a Roman citizen by birth. Everybody else had bought their way into that privilege. And that's when the floggers backed away and the, the tribune, the, the, the high-ranking military official, pulled Paul to safety and arranged for him to meet with the Jewish council, the Sanhedrin, the next day. And that's where we left the story last time. Still ahead, the second half of today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Listen to Ron's messages on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, be sure to check out Starting Point, a disciple's first steps, a free online discipleship coaching experience created by Dr. Ron Jones. 
Look for Something Good courses when you visit our new streaming platform at somethinggoodradio.org. That's Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps, where you'll discover what it means to be a disciple and learn how to train others to be true followers of Christ. This was not the first time the Apostle Paul had stood before the Sanhedrin, only this time. The circumstances were much different and tensions were much higher. With the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, Courage Under Pressure, once again, here's Dr. Ron Jones. We pick it up in verse 20, or chapter 23 and verse 1 where it says, And now Paul is before the council. And looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest, Ananias, commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Punch him in the mouth, he said. And then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law, and yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck? And those who stood by said, would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. I love how uh, Luke tells us here that Paul looked intently at the council. I take that to mean he didn't blink. He made eye contact with them. And he stood before them, not arrogantly, but confidently in the Holy Spirit, um, courageously in his calling. Keep in mind that it had been probably up to two decades since the last time Paul stood in front of his colleagues the Pharisees and Sadducees, the 70 men that made up the Sanhedrin, okay? And the last time he stood before them, he had probably papers in his hands that gave him the authority to go to Damascus and other places and arrest those Jews who were professing Christ and bring them back to Jerusalem for trial. And now Paul, all these years later, was the one on trial, He's staring them down, looking at them intently. And um, when Paul claimed that he had lived his life in all good conscience up to this point, a nearby official instructed one of the soldiers to punch, Maul, punch Paul in the face. And he did. And I, I don't know how you would react. I know how I would react. Some Kind of the way Paul did. He snarked back. And, and he said... Uh, um, you know, he, he called the official who, who turned out to be the high priest, Ananias, he called him a whitewashed tomb. Now, that may not mean much to us, but it was an insult of, of all insults because it, it was probably the picture of that last bit of uh, encasement in a uh, tomb cave, uh, the whitewashed stone that goes out there. What he was saying was, you know, high priest, you look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're like a, a, a tomb full of dead men's bones. What an insult to the high priest. And somebody turns to Paul and said, do you not know who you're speaking to here? I kind of think he did. But what he was saying is, you wouldn't know by what he did. He's not acting like the high priest because he's, he's breaking the very law by which he's judging me. And Paul, Paul didn't let them pull any stuff on him. And uh, needless to say, tensions are rising. It's becoming a pressure cooker for Paul in front of the uh, Sanhedrin now. 
And uh, Paul is beginning to realize also he's not going to get a fair trial. He's not going to get a fair shaking before his colleagues. They, they've already pre-baked this thing. And so uh, he says something that throws the whole meeting into turmoil. Let's pick it up in verse 6. Now, when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit. But the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Then a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party stood up and contended sharply, We find nothing wrong in this man. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? And when the dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring him into the barracks. Wow, what a scene here. Such a pressure cooker. And all this pressure is coming upon Paul. Some people want him dead. Now, now his colleagues, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, are, are at his throat. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ to which Paul testified was theological red meat for the council. Because the Sadducees, and this is why they're sad, you see, they didn't believe in the afterlife. I have to toss that in once in a while so that some of you will wake up and uh, let me know you're still with me. Uh, they, they, they didn't believe in the afterlife. The Sadducees did. The Pharisees did. So Paul seeing that uh, this isn't going to go his way, he's not going to get a fair shake and a fair trial, uh, like a savvy politician, knowing his audience well, he tosses something out there that he knows will turn the whole meeting into turmoil. He deflects the attention away from himself. I love that about Paul. I mean, he's as uh, uh, gentle as a dove and as graceful as can be, but he's a wise old man, isn't he? He's a wise, wise person. All of this puts uh, pressure on Paul, and uh, when things are in turmoil there, the Roman officials step in and they, they carry Paul away to safety. Because if anything happened to a prisoner, even a Jewish prisoner under Roman authority, if anyone happened to them, um, uh, the, the tribune could be in trouble. And so they had to protect Paul. They carry him away into the barracks. I love verse 11. Look at what happens here, Acts 23 and verse 11. Luke writes, the following night, the Lord stood by Paul and said, take courage. For as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. This is the second time the Lord appears to Paul in a night vision with some encouraging words. And um, Paul deeply desired to minister in Rome. You know, uh, if you're the apostle to the Gentiles... There are two primary cities you want to go to where you think you might have the greatest impact, Athens and Rome. And what a contrast in the ancient world between those two cities and, uh, and Jerusalem. Jerusalem, as I've said, is um, you know, relatively easy to be a Yahweh follower, right? Oh, there was some tension between you know, the traditionalists, uh, those who were loyal to Moses and who thought, 
you know, Jesus Messiah was a threat and all the Christians who were following the way, as they called it then, were a threat to all of that. What they didn't understand was that Moses and uh, the Mosaic law, the moral law, the uh, sacrificial law, the ceremonial law, all of that, the civil law, were foreshadows. They were pictures of a reality that was coming, the Messiah who was coming. Once the reality comes, you don't need the shadows anymore. No matter what you're going through, no matter who stands against you, you have the power to demonstrate the kind of courage exhibited by the Apostle Paul. If God is your friend, it doesn't matter who your enemies are. Thanks so much for being here for today's Something Good radio message, Courage Under Pressure. To hear any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule, please visit somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, check out the Something Good digital library with more than 500 hours of Bible teaching from Dr. Ron Jones to help you in your journey with Jesus. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Some of life's greatest adventures take place on a road trip. Nothing is more enjoyable than traveling the open highway with the windows rolled down and the music turned up. Each town, each exit, and experience all its own. Hello friend, I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio, and today I'm inviting you to take a road trip with me. You see, I'm convinced that reading the Bible is the greatest literary adventure you can ever take. But with 66 books, two testaments, and more than 600,000 words, it can be a daunting journey to attempt. That's why I wrote my two-volume book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible where I give you a bird's eye view of God's Word so you can clearly see how it all fits together. All 66 books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So pack your bags and join me on the ultimate road trip through the Bible. You'll be glad you did. Here's Brian with details. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1 and 2, can be yours today by request for your gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of something good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to request the two-volume set and to gain immediate access to the Route 66 Digital Library. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Pastor Ron, not only did you break this project up into two volumes, but you created what you call eight different road trips, five in the Old Testament and three in the New. Help our listeners understand the motivation behind that literary structure. You know, Brian, categorizing the various books of the Bible into eight separate groups is nothing new. Uh, they include the books of the law, the Old Testament historical books, uh, the wisdom books, the major prophets, the minor prophets, then we're into the Gospels and the early church, the Pauline epistles, and we finish up with the general epistles and Revelation. But when I first decided to compare the reading of God's Word to a travel adventure, well, it took me almost no time to come up with the phrase road trip to identify these eight sections of Scripture. Uh, what I believe the reader will begin to see a little more clearly is that the books of the law, for example, point to the person and work of Jesus Christ as much as the Gospels do. Now, that's because the Bible is one story with one main character. 
His name is Jesus, and he is the Christ. Uh, My hope is that by experiencing the 66 books of the Bible as eight separate road trips, uh, this overarching theme will be easier to recognize and understand. Such a great idea, Pastor Ron. We're so glad you decided to share this important book with us. Again, that's the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Both volumes are yours as our thank you when you give a gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099. Or you can mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. Some people never let the Apostle Paul uh, forget that he was a persecutor of Jewish Christians. You know that? And sometimes people will never let you forget your past. The devil certainly won't. He likes to replay those stories and remind you of who you once were. That's when you need to take courage and embrace the grace of God. That's next time in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Courage Under Pressure. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying so long and thanks for listening.